Hi, I'm Hallie, and I want to welcome you to the Odd Life Podcast. That's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. In this space, you're going to hear inspirational stories, candid and heartfelt conversations, as well as advice from experts, all with the intention of helping women like you live odd AF. Because I believe that the more of us that live awake, well, and empowered, the better this world will be. So thank you for being here and welcome to your odd life. Hello, my friends. How are you? How's your week going? It is a Wednesday right now. My son from college is home for a few days. And I actually sat down and had a conversation with him today. I mean, he came to me and sat down next to me and conversed like a full-on adult without my prompting, without me asking him to come sit down. Mind blown. There is hope, my friends. There is hope. Uh, And I had today a wonderful conversation with a brand new friend of mine, Jennifer Cheney. She's my guest today on the podcast. She is an accountability coach. Uh, She's funny as hell. She is delightful. She is a mom of two. She's going to get into all that here in a little bit. But I found her because of a TikTok video that of hers that went viral. And her message was so, so good. And I knew as soon as I watched it that I needed to have her on the podcast. I reached out to her. She said, yes. And here we are. I'm going to actually give this to you in two parts because it's long. And I don't want to overload you. And I know that's hard to sit down for that long to listen to one podcast episode. So I'm going to give it to you in two chunks. And that way it's a little more digestible for you in your time frame. Because I know you're all busy mamas and busy people. So I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. She's someone that we need in our lives right now. We get into this time of our lives when maybe we transition from full-time mom to part-time or on-call mom, as she puts it. And she'll explain all that here in a little bit. But it's just really nice to know someone's out there that can help us find meaning in this time of our lives and to help us shine our light in a different way that we have in the last 18 years. I just really think it's a great conversation. I think she has a lot to offer and she's a living example of what she's talking about. I hope you enjoy the conversation and here she is, my friend Jennifer Cheney. Well, welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate you saying yes to doing this. I know this is your first yes for the podcast, right? Correct. It, I feel very blessed. Very excited because I feel like you're the first person that came to me where I was an immediate yes. Just mm-hmm. leaned in to what you stand for and where you're trying to go. It just felt like a good alignment. Oh, perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for being here. I just, I, I saw, you know, you online and I, that's where I find all my fantastic guests. Thank God for social media sometimes because I find amazing women out there doing great things and you were one of them. And so I could not wait for you to be on the podcast. So again, thank you for saying yes. I so appreciate it. You have no idea. My little old podcast appreciates it. So I'm excited. Cool. If you could just uh, give us a quick bio, who you are, what you do, where you're at, okay. whatever you want to dump in there is fine. So my name is Jennifer and I am in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am in a suburb and it is not the life I thought I would be living, but here we are. I have two teenagers, again, not the life I thought I'd be living. And then I'm married to a very busy, but super supportive husband. And every day 
it just feels like a little bit better than the day before. And we have two of the dumbest dogs on the face <laughs> of the planet. They're two big Ridgebacks, Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Oh, really? Those are I cool love dogs. Them. Love, yeah. them. love them to death, but they are so dumb. Is that, are they known for not being smart? I thought they were no, like... No, they're very they're... smart, but we've made them dumb. <laughs> we've dumbed what, them down. Yes, that's what neglect does to you. So that's yeah. where I live. That's who I live with. And mm-hmm. I do accountability coaching for midlife moms. And it is a new adventure for me. I had a pivot in 2020 because of the pandemic. And I just feel like I am on my path and I am on a mission to help as many moms as I possibly can find meaning outside of motherhood. That's it. That's it. I love it. Well, that's enough. Believe me. It's very big. It's very big. And there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. But I feel like we have been ignored by society. I feel like, and it's time for us to pay attention to ourselves and to where we're going. Yeah. Thousand percent. So talk about that motherhood step for a second. So you became a mom. Was it the right time that you intended? Was it, were you always going to have the two kids? Was it like, what was your impression of what you're going to be as a mom and where did it end up landing? Okay. So that's a very interesting question because I never, ever as a child dreamed about, thought about getting married, having kids. Really? I never, not anywhere on my radar. Huh. And I vividly remember sometime in college, toward the end of college, I'm just hanging out on my tiny kitchen table, talking to my mom on the phone. And she's telling me about a friend of hers that just adopted a baby girl. Mm. And the thing that was fascinating is this woman was not married, but she wanted to be a parent. And she felt like she wasn't going to find the right life partner. So she's like, meh, I'm going to do this on my own. I tell you, that was the first time I was like, oh, there's other options out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and think about that. That's our parents, mm -hmm. our parents' age. That's not, I mean, your mom was probably born 40s, someplace in there maybe? Late 40s. She was very young when she had me, which is probably also feeds into why I didn't have this. Yeah. Traditional. Yeah. This traditional view, these these dreams of being a mom, getting married. So- it did something to me though. It yeah. gave me an alternate path mm-hmm. because I think that in my head, it was like, well, I don't want to get married and have kids. I want to have this career. But now all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. I can kind of do both. And then, you know, fast forward five years and I met, <laughs> I met my husband and then we did what a lot of us do, which is you get married, you buy a house, you get a dog, you have the kids. And I was not prepared for any of that, none of it. And I spent the first several years of motherhood feeling lost and resentful Mm. because I wasn't prepared. And it wasn't motherhood or the mothering. It was the complete and utter lack of support. We moved to a new city. We had no family, no friends. Yeah. And my husband commuted for three to four hours a day. Stop. I <laughs> bless his heart, because I'm telling you. But but you know that there were moments where he would tell me, like, oh my gosh, I was in traffic for like two hours trying to get home. 
And I wanted that bliss. I wanted to like the things I could do in two hours, like the peace I could have. Oh my gosh. Just sit there and look at a sea of headlights and just be like, there's no rush. I'm just hanging out here. I'll get home when I get home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And it was, and I, I had this, and I think a lot of people probably experience this, but you have this um, conflict in your head where you can't reconcile the guilt that you have for feeling resentful about a situation that you were not prepared for, didn't know is going to happen and don't know how to manage. Yeah. How many of us really knew what motherhood was going to look like when we were sold the idea that you could be independent and mm-hmm. you could have your job and you could you know, have this life and you could be an amazing mom. I'm learning all that now, by the way. Like yeah, in hindsight, exactly. I can see it all. But when I was in it, I had no idea what was going on. And it was very traumatic. I am not going to lie. I actually started seeing a therapist last fall. And the very first thing I said to her is that I think motherhood has been traumatic for me. Mm. And she just patted the couch and she's like, you sit down right here, sweetie. (laughs) Let's talk. (laughs) And I did come to learn again that it's not motherhood or mothering that's traumatic. It's Mm. the lack of support. Sure. Yes. So that's my motherhood experience. Yeah, I know. Hey, I get it. I totally get it. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. It's traditional roles. It's us Mm -hmm. saying, no, we don't need any help. We've got this because we're Wonder Woman. We're supposed to have all this figured out. So we're going to push you away because you're not going to even do it like I'm going to do it. So never mind. You're going to completely screw this up. So then it's like you're pissed off because they've offered, but yet you've told them no. And I don't know. There's just a whole weird thing that we do. There is. And you know, I... In the past year, I have had, I want to say, exponential growth. And it's because of social media, getting exposed to other women and other ideas and thoughts. And I will tell you, the solution to that is a book called Fair Play. Mm, yes, I've heard of this. And it is amazing because it's no blame. There's no, there's no shame we are where we are. What are we going to do about it? And it looks yeah. at the inequitable distribution of household labor, actual physical labor, and then also the mental management yeah. that tends to fall on the mom and bogs us down. Mm-hmm. And how are we supposed to keep up with all of that and also grow as just a human being and be who we are? Yeah. When your mind is constantly thinking about what's coming, what what's happening, what needs to be done. And just, I I don't have words to describe it, but it just sounds like it's impossible and it feels like it's impossible. We are all seeing that the pandemic highlighted that, that this imbalance of mental and physical workload in the home and how we are all buying into it. And and I think most of us hope that it just goes away. Yeah. But this book was such a, I want to say magical discovery because Eve Rodsky, I believe is the author. Yes, Eve yes. Rodsky walks you through how to communicate with your husband or your partner so sure. that you can adjust things and reevaluate and make it more equal around the house. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I could, I could talk about it forever, but that yeah. was really a big one. And I feel like if I had had that knowledge back when my kids were little, yeah. it would have been so helpful to have yeah. those conversations. I mean, do you experience that in your house? Because we are the same, roughly the same age. Yeah. 
Yes, for sure. And I also, the dynamic I had, I, I had a job prior to having kids. I was miserable in that job after a while. It was, it was not at all aligned in who I was mm-hmm. at all. And so I ended up taking a step back working, like, let me find a part-time temporary job until I can figure out the right thing. I was starting to have kids. Husband's job was taking off. So I eventually was like, well, maybe I'll just stay home with my kids. It was never like a dream of mine to stay home. I just didn't have the right other job that I knew I could do that I would love. I just didn't yeah. know what I wanted. And so I thought, well, I can hopefully be a, a good mom. And so I stayed home. So I think that automatically puts you in that category of you take care of all the kids stuff, no matter what it is. It's right. like an umbrella that's mm-hmm. put on you like an umbrella policy. Kids are yours and all the other things, mowing the yard, uh, work stuff, that right. other stuff is theirs. Right. And again, that's a, that's roles that I know. My husband had older parents. His parents didn't have until they were 36 and 40. He had an older brother, but it was very traditional. Um, dad worked out of the house. Mom, she ended up eventually getting a part-time job and working at a school, actually a full-time job working at a school, but same hours as the kiddo. So it made sense to mm-hmm. work, but it was very, she came home, cooked, cleaned, picked up, like he would still sit there at the table and she would go pick up the plate, put it in the dishwasher, clean it. So she cooked it, cleaned it up the whole thing and he didn't move. And so there was this, I knew my husband wasn't quite like that. Those roles were modeled for him in that way. For me, I think that I had the guilt of, well, I am staying home. I'm not creating an income. So I will do these things because that's my quote unquote job. Yep. But I'm stressed out. I'm packing for all our vacations. I'm making sure all the kids' shit's done. The emails are checked. Bills are paid. Um, like all those things. And then I've got, and I've got three kids that are barking at each other. And it is, it's the mental load that almost is the actual thing that's the issue. It's trying to keep it all the balls in the air and it's impossible. And then you feel the guilt and shame of dropping that ball, dropping that ball. I can't tell you how many times I've had a phone call last second. Hey, um, your son's still sitting out here waiting for you to pick him up. I'm like, oh my God, it's two o'clock or two, three o'clock. I'm like, oh my God. So there's just, my brain did not have enough capacity. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I thought that that was just me. No. I thought that I I went for in lo- the longest time thinking I was just not wired to be yeah. a mom. Like yeah. if I wasn't thinking about that when I was younger, then obviously I wasn't meant to be one. Yeah. And that I just like kind of fell into the situation. And I also, like you, chose, like it was a decision. We sat down and we're like, okay, well, we looked at the finances and we're like, yeah. if you go back to work and daycare, it's going to cost this much, it's yeah. much more advantageous if you just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Be a stay at home mom. Yep. Yep. And that was before people started talking about that more and saying, that's not how you look at it because time is money. That's right. So my time is not less valuable than his time. Correct. So it was an adjustment to say the very least to shift into that. I had been working since I was 14. Yeah. And oftentimes many jobs at once. Yeah. And this was the first time that I wasn't working, but I was working. Mm-hmm. Like all the time I was working a job that I didn't know that I had chosen. I didn't know yes. what I was signing up for. Yes. And and again, I love my kids so much. They are amazing and they have pushed me to be a better person. For sure. And a better parent and, and a better partner. And at the same time, I was not equipped for that. And yeah. when I started recognizing that I was feeling resentful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with that. Yes. Like it was just, I just, I think I literally just ate my feelings. For sure. And 
I want to say it was probably two years after my youngest was born mm-hmm. and we were on vacation. My husband takes a picture of me We're sitting on the dock, my kid and I snuggled up. I think I'm happy. I see the photo and I know I am not happy. Yeah. I looked at myself and I had a hard time processing who I was looking at. Yep. My brain was saying, that's you. And also at the same time, my brain was saying, that cannot be you. That's right. Overweight by quite a few pounds. Mm. I looked miserable. Yeah. I looked disheveled and I always felt like I look frumpy and like unkept. Like yeah, I just felt frumpy. Yeah. That's that's the word. I think that encompasses all of it. I just that's what I look like. And I kept saying that can't be me. And ultimately I came to terms like, oh yeah, that is me. That is where I am. And I needed to see that photo because it broke me. Yeah. And it was like, I have to change. I have to make change. I don't have to change. I have to make change. Sure. And I did. And it was this relentless pursuit for the next 10 years. Get back to who I was. I used to be vibrant. Yeah. I used to be funny. It was funny. People thought I was hilarious in my life. (laughs) Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And here I was like this bitchy stick in the mud. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Taking like life so seriously. Yeah. And it's because if I don't take it seriously, balls are going to drop and then I'm going to have guilt. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and none of it was true, but sure felt real. It sure felt like if I don't take this really seriously, I am going to fail at it. Yeah. So what was your first step? What was the first thing you decided to do? What was your starting point to tackle? Well, I went to what I knew best and what I could control. And that was my weight. Sure because I had been in gyms forever, worked in them, worked out in them. And I just felt like that was the place because a lot of my confidence is rooted in my physical body and not necessarily the way I look, but the way I feel. Sure. And so I know that I felt the best in my life when I was 13, 15 pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, not about size but it was just about feeling. Yeah. That's where I started. And it was yeah. phenomenal. A year later, I felt better. I was more energetic. I was slowly started getting back to kind of who I was. And mm-hmm. I had to consciously incorporate play into my day. Mm-hmm. I love that. Play with my kids. Yeah. Goof around with my spouse, joke more and that made a huge difference. And then I moved on to more of, this is a slow evolution. Like you were talking, yeah. we were talking yeah. 10, years. 10 years. Yeah. 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 I started with my body and then I went to what I also knew, which was my spark, that lightness, that humor. And then I went to more mental. Mm-hmm. I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to have a busier brain. And this whole time I had also been working as a photographer, a family photographer. Oh, cool. And that I did that intentionally as a way to have a busier brain. Sure. And I expanded on that and I grew that. And in that process, I became wildly aware of the dissatisfaction or the disappointment that so many other moms were feeling. And it wasn't this overt complaint or stress it was a feeling. I could yeah. feel their yeah. dissatisfaction. 
as a family photographer, you work with hundreds of moms over the years. And I am telling you that there is this thread, this pattern that was emerging in all of them. They loved their kids so much. And most of them felt like there was also something missing. Yeah. And in conversations, I realized what they're missing is themselves, who they were before, and maybe who they could have been at the same time. And it almost haunted me. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it validated me. I felt really good about it because I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Totally. Because that was also when Facebook was really taken off and you would see all of the social media. Oh, and Pinterest, don't even get me started. I, yep. it, it was this illusion, this unattainable illusion That's right. that gave us so much pressure and stress and pain, unnecessary. So like it, you're not doing motherhood right. Yours doesn't look like this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And the truth is like, we know now, because when we yeah. now talk about it, but yeah. you don't know back then. And if you don't have good girlfriends that tell you that they're, they're real truth, and sure. what's really going on and how they're really feeling, then you begin to feel inadequate and you're judging yourself, your parenting, your partnering, all of that against these unattainable images. I mean, it's still there today. Let's be yeah, honest. I get it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Back to our point about motherhood and what you're seeing in the photography yeah. and the the through line of just dissatisfaction, but not really knowing what exactly with just yeah. the intangible part of motherhood. Yeah. And a lot of that, a lot of that was not spoken. It yeah. was a feeling. It was me yes. observing because you, you know, photography, we watch and we're looking for the moments to get, we are not, I, yeah. I don't go in there and just like shoot and just blindly start taking photos. I'm in their home documenting what's unfolding in front of me. So I'm constantly yeah. searching and I can go back through the photos of many, many shoots and I see the mom's face mm-hmm. and the stress or the panic or the fear. I, and I am not exaggerating because you're, you're capturing a moment and she's looking yeah. on to her kids who are doing something. So she's feeling yeah. the pressure in a photo shoot that I was hopeful that was celebrating where they are in their life. Yeah, And it seems mm-hmm. like to me that that is just this constant state for a lot of us. You know, we have a fear of being judged. We have a fear yeah. of failing as parents and a fear, feel a fear of failing as a, a partner. Yeah. There's so much fear. And I started working and coaching them, like just on the side, oh, trying nice. to help them be in the moment and yeah. assure them that everything that's happening, how their kids are behaving, how their rooms look how unclean or clean their houses is totally fine and that everything is okay. And people are so shocked to find out that their kids are not the only kids who act like (laughs) a-holes. And it happens at every session. Almost every session, one kid is like, I like to call them the star because they're my favorite kids because they are wild children and they are amazing, but there is... They're, they're not operating in the way that society has deemed appropriate. Sure. Yeah. You have to look at the camera. You have to smile. You have to stand still. You have to wear the clothes that are picked out for you. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. Those are my favorite kids. That's a total side note. I love those kids. No, so much. I love that. Probably because I was one. I have one. 
and they make the world more fun. Yeah. So tell me about how you got into photography. We didn't actually touch on that. Like, how did you go from staying home to photography? Was that like a hobby that you had? Like, where did that come from? I had a background in photography. I ran a photo studio for startup for a while. I was a photo editor at a magazine and it was random at the same time. I had tried a few different things again, because I was just trying to do, find something that would keep Mm -hmm. my brain busy that I could kind of fit into a busy day with kids, with very young kids. Yeah. And Somehow it was just photography. I saw cool. somebody with a camera and I asked them a couple of questions and they're showing me what great pictures they take. And I was like, mm, okay, I want to do that. And I did. Cool. And I awesome. was, I did it for 17 years. I have closed up shop since then. Yeah. And I loved it a lot. And it, it, the reason I, in hindsight, like talking to you, I'm realizing this so much that. I loved it because of the connections I made with other moms and how sure. much I saw commonality. Yeah. It didn't matter what where they lived. It didn't matter how much they made. It yeah. didn't matter how many kids they had. Mm. There was just these underlying themes. Yeah. It felt good. And I loved yeah. that. I actually think I found my creativity when I had kids, whenever I was pregnant or I had a baby, I had these weird creative moments that I would do things. And so that's actually where my writing and blogging came from. Oh, sure. I, had some write, I had some creative, all of a sudden spark and yeah. thank God, you know, so I kind of have to attribute maybe my kids. Thank you because it helped me find yeah. some passions in my life, which I would have never found. So that is the upside. I mean, we have to look for silver linings, right? Because yeah, otherwise sure. just everything's going to crush us. But it is really amazing that the path that I was on, if I had not gotten married or hadn't had kids, would have been completely different. Yeah. I am so thrilled and happy with the path that I did wind up on. And that wouldn't have happened without my kids. Well, I think too, is that when we don't know what we want, like I never, I went from college, first job, getting married. And then we actually had our daughter fairly quickly. We weren't planning that soon. Thank God we did because we were able to start a family earlier than we would have planned. But I had never lived really alone, hadn't been on my own, hadn't been in a situation where I was exploring what I liked, hobbies, whatever. And so as I got older, finally, and I had a little room to breathe, oh, I like this. I like that. Mm. But I had never been on my own, honestly, as a you know an adult, which is kind of sad. So I feel like the people that do have kids later in life to have a little time to yourself, to learn who you are and to explore, sure. at least uncover a few things is yeah. helpful. You know, as you were going through your process of, you know, the photography and then, you know, seeing yourself in those pictures and doing the changes, where did you have your kind of, oh shit moment? Like, I know that was one oh shit moment, but I feel like you had another one. <laughs> I feel like I've had so many. <laughs> You know, but like you had a moment where you're like, hold on a second. I'm I'm not doing this the way I want to, or I should be doing this different. Or where was that moment for you? Is there something else that caused you to pivot again? Yeah. So in 2018, I was at the top of my game. I felt freaking fantastic. I was in the best shape of my life. My husband and I were communicating so well and just really clicking. And it felt like for the first time in years, we were back to being a team Mm. and my kids were doing well. Things just were rolling. The dogs weren't as dumb as they are now. 
<laughs> things were good. Sure. And my girlfriend, Andrea, had come out and it was so good to see her. And we had an amazing time. I felt like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get back to connecting again on this level. I can't quite explain that, but you know, sometimes you get your girlfriends and it's next level conversations. Like you're really in it. And then other times it can be more superficial. It felt really, really good. And I felt like we were both on this amazing, I don't know, spiritual journey. Fast forward a few months and I get a phone call from her dad that she had died. And that rocked me. I'm bad. Because I felt like it wasn't that I was sad or upset about her not being in my life anymore and being gone. I was horrified that she didn't get to live her life the way mm-hmm. she thought she would. Yeah. And I had known her since middle school. And we were oh. roommates in college, so we had a lot of conversations. No kidding. Late night over Rocky Road ice cream, where she would take sure. a huge container of Dryer's Rocky Road ice cream and pick out all the pieces. She would just dig in and leave the ice cream. It was disgusting, but it was hilarious. hilarious at the same time. <laughs> and she would tell me her dreams. Okay, I want to be married in a few years. I want to have two kids. I want to move to LA. I want to be a comedic actress. Like Lucille Ball was her favorite person. Yeah, yeah. That was what she dreamed of. Yeah. And she didn't do any of that. Mm. So she's 50 years old. She's living in Denver. She's not married and she has no kids. Yeah. So it really was a flick in the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. I had to look at my life with a magnifying glass because where I was, no matter how I felt, when I felt amazing, I felt really, really good. It wasn't enough. Sure. It was really settling. And I realized mm-hmm. that this is not okay. I don't yeah. want just this. I want so much more because there's more out there. And later that year, I took a class on creating how to create a life plan. And I thought it was kind of hokey at first. Sure. I was like, sure. that just sounds like. I don't know who does that actually. I don't know anybody who has a life plan unless they're like, you know, Anthony Robbins, right? Right, right. So (laughs) it was life altering. Doing the life plan gave me a direction to travel Mm -hmm. and it pushed me to think beyond today. And when I did it for one year, so I created the plan at the end of 2020. I spent 2021 doing my plan. Not not achieving it, but moving towards it. Sure, sure. I felt alive. I mm-hmm. felt mm-hmm. like I had more meaning and yeah. I felt like I had a purpose. Yeah. And I knew in that moment when I was reflecting on the goals, I was like, okay, more moms need this. That's right. Specifically moms, because we put our lives on hold for 18 plus years not okay with that. (laughs) It's just not, it's just not okay. And I feel like we have this misunderstanding about goals and goals are something that we typically learn about in the corporate environment. They are hard, achievable, measurable goals. And if we have softer, flexible, aspirational goals that are based on a feeling, 
and we start moving in that direction, we start feeling good today. That's right. And I think that having a life plan is the fastest way to freedom. Yeah. And you don't need to hit all of your milestones. You don't need to hit the target. You just have to be throwing the dart in the right direction. And it changes your life. Yeah. It's not complicated. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something that's, like you said, super hard. It can be just a direction to head or a feeling. When I was looking at some of the things um, at the end of 2018 as well, kind of crazy. That was my transition Mm -hmm. year as well, is that I wrote down feelings. Like at the end of the year, my, my, you know, reflection on how I wanted to go into the new year, the words awake, well, and empowered were the ones that stood out. I wrote a whole list of, of feelings, but the awake, well, and empowered stood out to me because I felt like awake was my mind. I was awake mm-hmm. and I felt like the well piece was my physical health, my body. And then the empowered part was my spirit. I just felt like my body spirit was all covered in all three of those words, sweet. And that became my filter. So that was sort of my life plan. Yeah. I didn't really, I didn't call it a life plan, but that was my filter yeah. that I was going to use everything. If it wasn't those three things, a part of that, then I'm not doing it right. because I've lived too long and said yes to way too many things I don't want to do. And it's okay to say no. And yeah. that was something that I think as I've gotten older, I do not want to regret anything and not have lived the life that I was supposed to live. Right. And so I I do think the important thing to take away from everybody for everybody is that it's never too late. Yeah. And it's always like you this is still your life. Like you're not, things aren't over at a certain age. Right. Like, oh I'm I'm fifty, I'm sixty. Well, right. I've I've done it this way for so long. Yeah. I guess I'm gonna just keep going. Screw that. That is not how this is supposed to right. go. We can pivot every single day of our lives if we want to. It's just you're trying to aim towards a general direction. That's it. That feels in alignment. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. I think I love that. I think that is so important because I think I I would say 99% of the time, mothers, the issues they have or the, the feeling they have is that they're, they're not in alignment with themselves. Right. Because they don't take the time to figure out yes. what that is, what, what is. that feels like. And I love that you sat down and wrote down a whole bunch of words and figured out which yeah. ones stood out to you. I actually do an exercise very similar to that. And I call them brand words. Mm. And you figure out your brand words. So what do you stand for? What do you value? Yeah. What do you, Yeah. how do you want to show up in this world? And then yep. you run all of your decision-making through those, those brand words, which is, it's almost like a moral compass. It's a filter. Right. And you use that word filter. For yeah. those words. Yeah. And it's because yeah. it works like it that works. And it's a very easy thing to do as long as yeah. you choose your words wisely, but they're not permanent. So right. if you accidentally choose the wrong word, you can, if it doesn't feel right, you if it no it. longer feels good. Yeah. If it no longer yeah. feels good, change it to what does feel good. Yeah. And what you're feeling today could be totally different than how you're feeling in five years. That's right. That's right. We sh- and we're supposed, and I did a podcast, uh, a solo podcast not too long ago about this is that we are meant to change yeah. consistently. We are not meant to do the same thing and be the same person our entire lives. Wow. I mean, can you imagine being yes. the same person you were when you're 21 years old for the rest of your life? So oh that's my God. really interesting. I love that because, you know, we talked to my husband about this a lot too, because yeah. when you get married, people say, well, he changed a lot or she changed a lot. And it's like, we, yeah. we want to change. We both want to yeah. change. We, want, we don't want to be that same person that we were yeah. in our 20s. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, that's right. But I feel like owning that and understanding that and not yeah. only being okay with change, but seeking change, 
Yes. As long as you're headed in a better direction. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah, sliding backwards. For good, not for, <laughs> right. Yeah, not backwards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's been known to happen too. But yes. Yeah. Well, as far as then seeing this and this is something that you, the life plan and how it benefited you, it's one thing to to know this was beneficial for you, but to know, oh my gosh, other women need this. Yeah. And then putting yourself in a position to be that person, that takes a lot of guts and empowerment to do that as well. So tell me about that moment when you decided, okay, I'm going to create this business out of helping women do this. Where was like, what, was there a switch? Was there something in you just like, I have to do this. I have no other option. Like what was it inside you that said, I'm doing this? So it happened to be during the pandemic and I could mm-hmm. no longer go into people's homes and photograph them. So I just flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. I'm an impulsive person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. If it feels right. And that's actually a benefit of knowing your brand words too, or knowing you yeah. know, your filter words. Because when something comes up, you you know immediately whether or not that is the right impulsive choice to be making. And yeah. I just did it. I decided this is what I have to do. And it was really hard because it's completely foreign. I don't mm-hmm. know anybody that's doing anything like this. It, I think that there's some life coach aspect to it. Sure, sure. But I'm approaching it from a very practical yeah. place where yeah. you figure out how you want to live and then you back up and you figure out the steps yep. it's going to take to get there. Yep. You add in a lot of forgiveness and grace and flexibility. And then you start moving towards that period, the end. And it's, you know, and if in there you need to go to therapy, you go to therapy. I think life coach is a huge umbrella. Yes, and for sure. I could see aspects of what I do that fall under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. But where I differentiate is I'm coming in at the end of that mostly where Mm -hmm. I help with the accountability piece because making a plan is the easy part. Yes. Following through and moving forward, tiny steps consistently is the hard part. right. How was that for part one? I have so much more for you. So stick around for next week. You'll hear the second part of our interview, our chat, get to know Jennifer even more, get to know how she can help. If that's something you're interested in doing, I think we all could probably use an accountability coach. I know I can. So stick around again. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week for part two of this conversation. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, Please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.